Welcome to the WebMD Health Discovered Podcast. I'm Dr. Neha Batak. Today, and for the next few episodes, we're going to be talking about perimenopause and menopause. And for a lot of us, including health professionals, it's a very confusing time. It's very difficult to counsel our patients around it oftentimes, and that's because there's not really a generally agreed upon definition beyond irregular menstrual cycles that can go on for years in a lot of women. But we know the menopause transition we usually define as a time when you haven't had your period for 12 months and then all of a sudden it's gone. So we consider that having gone through menopause. But we don't often talk about it with our doctors, our friends and other women in our lives or the men in our lives because there's so many other things that can be going on from hot flashes to changes in your mood to difficulty sleeping. And it's hard to know what is perimenopause and what is just life. So I would love to introduce our guests, Kruthi and Falgani, who together are part of the Getting Hotter platform. And that's a platform that they've created that's dedicated to sharing experiences, information, resources for anyone who's navigating perimenopause and menopause. So Kruthi and Falgani, welcome to Health Discovered. And before we dig in, I would just love to know, I like to ask everybody, what was that aha moment for you, that moment that you recognized perimenopause and menopause was something that you really wanted to dedicate time and talking about and sharing resources about. Well, Kruthi and I were actually together, and I think I had been in menopause at that point for a year, so like a year after the 12-month cycle, and I was in a cranky mood. We were with our kids, and I was just like not in the best of moods. And I basically turned to her and I was like, I'm sorry, I'm in a really crappy mood because I have been going through menopause. And she's like, me too. And then as we both started talking about it and, you know, we're such close friends and we had been spending so much time together, we were like, this is not okay. We have to be talking about this. And this was around, I don't know, 2019, right? Like I remember it was before the pandemic because we had come up with this idea and then we started putting it together in 2020 and we'd gotten all these books out of the library and they were so antiquated. I still have some of them. And we had gotten all these books on menopause and perimenopause just so that we could be as informed as possible to talk about the topic. And we felt like there was a void there and everything kind of made us feel old. And here we were, two women who had young children, and we were handed books and literature that made us feel like we were a thousand years old. The language was oriented toward end of life, end of your sexuality, end of your vibrancy. So all of the negative connotations around it, they were stupefying in a way, actually, because here you are struggling to sort of navigate the sea change that you don't understand. And that isn't uh, a straight shot, right? You know, there's good days, there's bad days, there's worse days. And then we just thought, why is this a portal down to the depths of despair? There has to be a way that we can reframe this conversation in a way that's meaningful and that's positive focus. Because let's be honest, I experienced menopause at 45 and it's not unreasonable to expect that I'm going to be living, you know, another 40 years. So we're talking about the end of your womanhood, but you still have half of your life to live. What we've learned since then is that there's so, millions of women are having the same sort of 
moment where they're saying, how come nobody's talking about this the way it needs to be spoken? And, and I think that's, by the way, how the inception of the name came about, Getting Hotter. I just remember thinking, this is ridiculous. I already feel down. I already feel anxious. And when I would try to share it, I'd have people say, what? You're, you're too young. You're too hot to be going through menopause. And I was like, hmm. what does that even mean? Yeah. What are you going to say about me as a person? And so we just thought, obviously, the double entendre was sheer brilliance. Well, it is definitely brilliant. <laughs> I love what you're saying around the language of perimenopause and menopause. And it's something I think about a lot because it's not an illness and it's not necessarily just some phase in your life that you just have to endure and get through and, you know, tough it out. And I think a lot of times when people come to the office to talk about it, if you're not saying the right buzzwords that make health professionals or doctors think about it, it's not even something that we often will give the right weight to in the office, if that makes sense. Sure. So if you're not saying, oh, I'm having hot flashes or I'm having vaginal dryness, you know, these are some of the things when we think about perimenopause in a medical sense, we're thinking, okay, hot flashes, vasomotor symptoms, we're thinking difficulty sleeping, maybe flushing. But I'm just really intrigued because clearly now that I'm a mom myself, I think a lot about what my mom was going through during this time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, culturally, she never used that term. She never used Same. hot flashes. So how are you approaching this and sort of really trying to change the conversation? What are some of the things that you're seeing and trying to help people in terms of the dialogue they need to have with their support system and with their health professionals. There are a lot of people that are far more qualified than us to talk about the medical ramifications of perimenopause and menopause. What we are trying to do, we're humbly trying to do, is to create a space where we can have a colloquial conversation about and about yeah. all the things that are related to midlife and wellness. We don't go through menopause and perimenopause in vacuum. We don't go off into our little corners and have our hot flashes and it doesn't affect anybody and it doesn't matter to anybody. And we have family, we have friends, we have work network. And so where we felt that our call to action ultimately was we need to be able to have a conversation and we need an open space to be able to do that. And there is no one size fits all solution either. And there are different methodologies of management, there's different solutions for different problems at different times. And so what we were hoping to be able to do is to create a space where we can at least get all of that out and have those discussions and start exchanging ideas, start exchanging, you know, tips, tricks, experiences, because I think a lot of people just want to feel like they're heard and see. Just to add to that, one of our approaches, I realized, we both realized this as we would talk about it, is a little bit of humor in our storytelling around it. Because I think that there's so much doom and gloom around this. And truly, there are amazing moments happening in our lives at this stage. I mean, we both happen to, I think, hit menopause early, 45 for me as well. But when we try to talk about this and when it feels too dark, I think people turn away. And the truth is that, yeah, these are symptoms and they vary from person to person. But we wanted to create a space where people feel like they can come and discuss whatever aspect of it is bothering them, whether it's vaginal dryness or just like 
I am not in the mood to do anything right now. Like, is this going to change at any point? Right. I think it's all women's issues and health issues. It's like the same. If we all talk about it more, the second we do as communities, it changes the whole narrative. Around and there's, it. A, there's a lot of fear around it because of all the sort of the cultural connotations of menopause. That you're not a vibrant woman anymore. You're not a viable asset in the workplace. You're not a sexual being anymore. I mean, there's so many sort of negative cultural connotations that a lot of women and a lot of men or spouses or partners, nobody likes to talk about it. And so that was still the hardest part to feel comfortable in your own experience to be able to reach out to other people. And so humor definitely helped being able to say, I don't know what's going on with me. Do you know what's going on with you? You know, yeah. and to to just kind of have a softer, more inclusive approach to the conversation. I think the conversation would benefit from it. Yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense when you think about community and where you're going to for most of your health, well-being, information about just being able to live in a manner that brings joy to you and those around you. And that's not often a place where you go to your doctor to have that kind of conversation. Really, you're having that conversation with friends, with loved ones. And it is difficult because there's an umbrella term of perimenopause and menopause. But everything that's under that umbrella is so different from person to person. What you're saying really just makes me reflect on my mom's experience and my own even more, which is for her, she just felt unbelievably dizzy. I just remember to your point about humor. I mean, we kind of joke about this in our family, but there were months where she would just run from room to room, just like frantically saying, I'm so dizzy. And we would run around after her thinking she was about to collapse. <laughs> and she just didn't have that. You know, she wasn't saying I'm going through perimenopause or my periods are changing. And we took her to the doctor. She got a brain MRI. I mean, there was a million dollar workup without just being there to support yeah. her and recognizing yeah. that this is what she was experiencing. But the other thing about that, which is exactly right and what you're saying, is that I think sometimes we're so, as a society, rushed to try to come up with a quick solution. Do I need to start going on medication? And not everything needs to be medicated. Some things are natural transitions. I think if people felt more in alignment with one another, it wouldn't feel so bad, right? Like if I'm having a hot flash while speaking to someone and that person understands it because we as a society are accepting this, then when I'm like patting myself down, even though there's no sweat, no one is going to be like, what does she do? When you're talking about what your mother's experience was and how different it is from how we're managing our experiences, my mother is actually a gynecologist. She's an outstanding physician, and I'm so lucky to have her as my doctor as well as my mom. But I remember going through perimenopause, and at the time I had infant twins, and I was already not sleeping. I was already, you know, a mess. And then this was happening. And so mm -hmm. it wasn't even until just before I had the conversation with Falgani, which was sort of like, a, oh, my gosh, let's talk about this. Because at that point, I had already been in menopause for a year as well. And I didn't I didn't even think to talk to my mom about it. She and I were actually on a trip together going through Eastern Europe. And I said, mom, you know, my periods are becoming more infrequent. And I think this is happening. And she's like, yes, what are your symptoms? You know? And I said, I don't want to talk about my symptoms. I want to talk about what is happening. I don't know what's happening. And I don't know what the other side of this is. What does that look like? Will I be 
a different person? Will I be the same person? But certain things will be different. I don't know. And I can talk to my mother about everything. But you just internalize this experience so much because it's not like, you know, you wake up and suddenly you're a different color. You know, it's a slow, slow process. And while you're in that process, you're trying to sort of understand what's happening to you. And that's constantly changing. And so it's hard to understand what the experience is and what the beginning of it is and what the end of it might be. And I think the shame around it, right, Dr. Bathik? Like I can speak to my own community, the South Asian community. We barely talk about periods, right? So let alone when you've stopped having your period. If you're not talking about your period, then you don't and talk about when you've stopped having your period and what all of that means. So I think there's like this cultural, and obviously I'm speaking in a vacuum, these are all broad generalizations and um, everybody doesn't have the same experience. But I feel like just in our communities, as I try to speak to other South Asian women about it, there is this element of shame that they feel. And also like our symptoms aren't the same. While there's all this information out there about vaginal dryness I'm like actually like can we can I focus on my anxiety more because Mm. I'm having more anxiety than I am vaginal dryness like that is actually not I don't need the rejuvenation right now what I need is like help getting through this like anxiety that I feel you know the point about the cultural piece is so interesting too just medical studies we know that culturally women experience these symptoms as we've been talking about like there's some studies around hot flashes And so for women that were studied in Japan, in Korea, Southeast Asia, that was much less of a concern that was being brought forth to their medical providers. And there's one really interesting study in Mexico in the Yucatan Peninsula where that just wasn't a thing in women at the time it was studied. And then the question is sort of what parts of this are cultural, what parts are lifestyle? So I think there's that piece. And then there's the piece of what specifically for you is, if not debilitating, but is really affecting your ability to live the life you want to lead at that point in time. And I want to pull in another point you made about later childbirth. So a lot of us are having children later. So we're kind of going into that transition at a point we're still thinking of ourselves as, you know, young mothers or early motherhood. So it's hard to navigate that. I had a pregnancy as well during covid And it was a much later pregnancy than my earlier two children. So I'm coming out of it. I'm finally starting to feel myself as like the mom of a two-year-old. And now I'm like, wait a second, is this brain fog because of this baby? Is it because of the two older kids who are driving me bananas? Or am I in perimenopause right now? Right. We both had kids later in our lives. And it could be confusing because there are many through lines in the symptoms. Maybe not the hot flashes, but certainly the inability to sleep at night. That's when I think doctors, I understand, like we need a methodology to say, okay, this is when you've hit this versus just lack of sleep from nursing your child or feeding your child in the middle of the night. Just to build on that, I also think that that's why having conversations is important because it's not a situation where you can say, oh, well, this is happening. Well, you take this pill and then that's going to happen anymore, right? It's almost like the solution or that the medicine is the conversation in a way, because it's not going to go away anytime soon. It's going to keep evolving, keep changing. And the kind of assistance that would be beneficial to each of us is going to be different at various times. And the only way to really start to understand it, start to build a framework around it and start to build a raft of support around it is to have a continued conversation. 
as a storyteller, I've never seen a more poignant time where storytelling is so important. Because if we don't share these experiences and we don't share with each other, then other people who are sitting in quietly can't process actually what's happening to them. I mean, now with Kruti and I, it's like every phase of whatever I may be going through, like we'll text each other. I was like, oh, I I went on the patch finally or whatever it was. And she's like, really? And we can have these conversations that it feels so good actually to be able to openly talk about this in a way that's like normal, just normal. It's like every day, like, hey, you know, had breakfast this morning. Also, guess what I did? And it feels great. I know we talk about normalizing and there's been a lot of language around uh, perimenopause and menopause since even when we started talking about it, we've seen like this evolution and it's amazing. As a mother of two daughters, I think it's really important to have those conversations out in the open. I also have a son and we have dinnertime conversations about menopause. The other day, my nine-year-old said, you know, mommy, I'm afraid of having babies because it really hurts and I never want to have a baby. And my son said, well, I have a solution for you. Just go into menopause because that way you will never have your period and you'll never have a baby, you know, and we all got a really good laugh out of that. But what's the lesson? The lesson is that it's okay to talk about it. It's not going to gross anybody out. I see that my gradual acceptance of myself in my midlife is teaching my daughters that they will go through transition their whole lives. And there's going to be stuff that we have to figure out at all times, you know, and it's all going to be okay. And so I think when we stop looking at even perimenopause and menopause as these isolated experiences, portals that happen in a vacuum, and we start to involve our community in it, it becomes a much less threatening conversation. Yeah, I mean, conversation as medicine. I love mm-hmm. that. And then I just also find it, it's so important, not just the girls in our lives, but the boys in our lives, to your point, to have everyone sort of have this education and not just at these moments, because I think then we do a disservice to people because we think, OK, there's a defined period of time within which this is normal. And after that, it's abnormal. Right. And We know that just a lot of these transitions that happen over life, whether it's going through puberty or a boy or a girl, having your first menstrual period, there's a lot of irregularity around there. And then we may finally get to a point where we can predict what may happen to us in terms of our menstrual cycle. And that gets blown out of the water again if you decide or you go through pregnancy and then perimenopause. And to your point, the 40 years after that. And there's still going to be shifts. It's not like those 40 years are going to be static either. Right, right. And you know what? I think the other interesting part of what you're saying is that like, so now the phase we're in for me is I'm postmenopausal or menopausal and my children are starting to be prepubescent. So I'm like, there's a lot of hormonal stuff going on in my house. And so now not only am I trying to still sort out myself, I'm trying to figure out what to tell them and how to have a conversation, honestly, with my son about puberty. All I know is that regardless of what stage we're in, everyone in my house is demanding chocolate. Everyone is like, I I need therapeutic chocolate. So this has been just such a great conversation. And thank you for starting this for us and for really showing us how we can have an opening to this kind of conversation with our friends, our loved ones. I'd love to just sort of close out with bite-sized action item or little micro changes. What are some of your best pieces of advice that you would love to share with us? 
I think it's the dialogue part of this. It's the community part of this, like continuing to talk about it. That's our bite-sized thing. Do not shy away from having conversations with anybody in your life about it, even if it feels shameful or hard, because it's what actually helps us. You know, you don't want to feel isolated. Sometimes the anxiety or depression or any of these symptoms that you may have are isolating symptoms. And so why isolate yourself further? The more you talk about it, the more you build community in all things in life, right? The happier you're going to feel about whatever it is you're going through. Yeah. And I think that reaching out to people for help, reaching out to resources, we have to understand that not everybody is at the same place in their journey. And also cultural differences matter here. There are lots of cultures where talking about these kinds of things is 100% taboo. So it's okay to take micro steps toward that conversation. It's okay to be where you are in your process and in your experience and then pivot from there and seek out the help that you feel might be the best for you at that moment. Nobody's doing it wrong. There's no start line. There's no finish line. This is the rest of your life. And it's about allowing yourself the time and the space to understand that there is uncertainty, that there is a lot of unknown, and that's okay. Everybody's going to go through this at some point and in some way or another. So there is a massive community. I mean, half the world is female. No one should feel intrinsically alone. If I were to say what is the most sort of salient call to action is to just spend some time every day in this experience and also telling yourself the narrative that there's somebody else that's going through this. And it's not forever, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's the other thing. Like, well, things, it's a season, the season in your life. And there's nothing to be shameful about in this season because there's so many other things, wonderful things that are probably also going on at the same time. And before we close, I just wanted to share that Gruthi and I are part of an amazing new platform that's coming up with Stacey London and a bunch of other powerful women. And it's going to center around all things midlife. So stay tuned for that to come soon. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. We've been talking with Kruthi and Balgani of Getting Hotter. And I think the key messages for me have just been around conversation as medicine and the fact that we are really trying to personalize the approach for all of us. And by communicating and talking to each other, we can figure out what pieces are for me and what pieces, what tips may not be helpful in my context or in my life. And I think carrying that over, if you are in a health professional setting, to just ensure that you're talking about what is really taking away from your life so that enough weight is given to that in the office. And then you can go down a medical route, you can go down a non-medical route. There are lots of options. And like you all said, there's no wrong answer. It's really what you can do individually to make yourself more present for the ones that you love and for yourself. To find out more about Getting Hotter, visit gettinghotter.com, or you can find them on Facebook and Instagram at Getting Hotter Official. Thank you so much for listening. Please take a moment to follow, rate, and review this podcast on your favorite listening platform. If you'd like to send me an email about topics you're interested in or questions for future guests, please send me a note at webmdpodcast at webmd.net. This is Dr. Neha Bhattak for WebMD Health Discovered Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. 